This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 1235 of Horse Tip Daily, your almost everyday morsel of helpful hints, useful facts, and practical techniques for horse folks. Brought to you today by Dr. Rose's Remedies. Greetings, horse people. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip features Dr. Tanya Cubitt from Performance Horse Nutrition, and she has her top five most frequently asked questions about horse nutrition. And we'll get right to our tip after this from Dr. Rose's Remedies. Dr. Rose's Remedies Skin Treatment Salve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Rose's is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT Scooter's delicate white pasterns free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Rose's at your local tax store or feed supplier or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com. That's DrRosesRemedies.com And I'm so happy to welcome back to the show Dr. Tanya Cubitt from Performance Horse Nutrition who is here to help us learn more about horse nutrition. What have you got for us this time? Oh, thanks so much for having me back, Jennifer. This time I thought we would try and conquer some of the most common questions. Well, they're not the most common, but I get these questions a lot. Um, and people are surprised by the answers. So a few little did you knows about um, particular feed ingredients this time. Oh, goody. So if we start out with something like, did you know that oats, barley, and corn have approximately 3% sugars? Starch, that's another story. Uh, cereal grains like oats, barley, and corn have low sugar content, but sugar is not the primary storage unit for these ingredients. The energy storage unit for cereal grains is starch. Oats have approximately 44% starch, barley approximately 55% starch, and corn, the big winner, has about 70% starch. None of these ingredients are suitable for horses with metabolic disorders such as laminitis or obese horses you're trying to decrease the sugar and starch content on. So always make sure that you're looking at the combination of sugars and starches, the non-structural carbohydrate value, uh, because those two values combined uh, are going to tell you the whole story. Beware of only seeing one of those. Low starch or low sugar. Beet pulp. Oh, that's a hot um, topic right now. Beet pulp. Oh, it's a, it is a hot topic. And I think that um, a lot of us use the term beet pulp. It really comes from sugar beets, though. So now, in the United sound States. sound good to me. A sugar beet. Yeah, I know. It doesn't sound. It sounds terrible. In the United States, most sugar comes from sugar beet. In other countries like Australia, where I'm from, it comes from sugar cane. So did you know that sugar beet Pulp is low in sugar. Sounds like an oxymoron. It doesn't sound real. But beet pulp 
is the byproduct resulting from the extraction of the simple sugars in the manufacture of table sugar. Extraction processes being efficient, as efficient as they are, the remaining pulp has little or no sucrose table sugar left in it. And in fact, many feed manufacturers would will add varying amounts of molasses to increase the palatability and reduce um, pulp dust because beet pulp can be so low in sugars. Um, the the non-structural carbohydrates or the sugar and starch content of beet pulp usually runs around 5 to 6% and that's unmolassed. So all of that sugar has gone into our Coca-Cola or our ketchup or, you know, whatever else that we eat on a day-to-day basis. So the byproduct of beet pulp has very low sugars and starches. So it's ideal for those horses with metabolic disorders. Is, um, is beet pulp an appropriate feedstuff for horses who are not metabolic? Yes. And no horse really needs high sugars and starches in the diet. Um, I always go back to horses in the wild. What are they designed to eat? And in the wild, we really didn't have a lot of these improved grass varieties. Um, when I say improved, when we improve a grass, we usually improve it to um, withstand more trampling, withstand seasonal changes, withstand grazing. And how do we make anything stronger? We increase its ability to store energy. So our improved grasses or forages have much higher sugar content so that they can withstand all of these things. So horses in the wild didn't eat any of that. So a natural wild horse diet is pretty low in sugars and starches anyway. Um, so, so there is not, not really a scenario other than if you have a racehorse that you want to go really, really fast and you need that quick release energy. Uh, most horses do quite well on a, on a low to moderate sugar and starch diet. But that leads me to my next did you know. Did you know that beet pulp has a similar energy content to oats? I did not. <laughs> no. See, it's, beet pulp is a super fiber. It's a really highly digestible fiber source. The digestible energy content of beet pulp is around 1.1 megacals per pound, and the energy content of oats is around 1.4 megacals per pound. So very similar, not quite as much calories as oats, but very similar. But the energy is not coming from starches as it is in the cereal grain oats. It's coming from this highly digestible fiber source. Um, it really, I use it a lot to improve the quality of the fiber being fed to the horse. So if, we're, if we've got a poorer quality, lower stemmier hay, they're not going to get as much out of it. Adding beet pulp will improve the quality, the digestibility of the fiber. And by adding uh, a better quality fiber source without adding extra grain, we also don't increase our risk for hindgut um, bacterial upset. So digestive upset. And when you when you measure beet pulp, this is something that always confuses me a little bit. When you measure beet pulp, um, the suggested feeding of beet pulp that you get from your nutritionist, your horse should have two point five pounds of beet pulp a day. They mean weighing it when it's dry. Am I right? Correct. Okay. Yes. So a pound of dry beet pulp is going to have 1.1 megacals in it. Then you're going to wet it, and then all you've added is water. So we can't – water has no energy content in it, no 
um, mm-hmm. calories. So we're not adding that. So absolutely weigh your beet pulp dry, add whatever water you want to it, but make sure that the if you if you've been recommended by your veterinarian or your nutritionist to feed four pounds of beet pulp a day, that's dry beet pulp, and then wetting it, it could be 20 pounds of beet pulp, but mm-hmm. make sure you're weighing it dry, correct? Got it, okay. The other super fiber out there is soy hulls. Um, soy hulls, which is just the hull around the outside of the soybean, so when you uh, process the soybeans, we have to take off the hull, and it's a very highly digestible fiber source. Uh, It's similar to the beet pulp in having a very high energy content. So you'll notice in a lot of um, hay pellets or forage pellets that soy holes will have um, a primary uh, place in that ingredient list. Oat holes, on the other hand, are very low in digestibility. And if they're high up in your... uh, hay pellet or your forage pellet, it's going to mean the digestibility of that product is going to be a little lower. So soy holes, if you see those in your feed, in the ingredients list or in your forage pellet ingredient list, they're a really highly digestible fiber source. Hmm. You're full of that stuff today. Yes, if we if we continue on, I've got two more here. If we continue on along the energy value train, did you know that oil has roughly two and a half times more calories than most cereal grains? Two and a half times more calories. Now that is any oil, and you're just looking at any oil, plain old any oil. If we just look at the calorie content, whether it was soybean oil or flax oil or chia oil or fish oil. Past that, then we have to look at palatability issues and expense and that kind of thing and what else you're going to get. But vegetable oil, if you buy it in the grocery store, is soybean oil. And it has considerably, as I said, four times the calorie content of say, the beet pulp that we were talking about previously. So anytime I want to add um, significant amount of calories without adding a lot of bulk to the diet, I add oil to increase the fat content, which is going to increase the energy or calorie density without increasing the actual quantity of feed that we're feeding. Um, if we, we go back to the beet pulp, yes, it had a similar calorie content to oats, but you're going to wet it and it's going to increase the bulk of the horse's diet um, quite significantly. So if we're trying to put weight on a horse that uh, doesn't want to eat a lot to start with, it's going to be hard to do it with just beet pulp. Because the adding oil, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're just not going to be able to get a horse to eat that much food. If we add oil, however... They're not going to, most horses aren't even going to know it's there. If they have a little bit of an aversion to the oil, then you can add some banana flavoring to it, just some banana flavored powdered pudding, sprinkle it on there, um, and that will increase the palatability. But most horses don't even know it's there. So, in our last two months' sessions, we talked about adding forage to the diet and how it can boost the heat production in the gut, so keep them warmer. On the flip side, in the middle of summer in Florida or Texas, if your horse struggles with heat, 
you don't want to feed them a really non-digestible fiber source because it will create a lot more heat that they're not tolerating well to start with. So adding more calories to the diet from fat, which does not create heat in the gut when it's broken down, is also ideal. So flip-flopping. So, so that's, a, that's a management thing again in that he's already getting his 1.5% of his body weight in good quality hay, needs more calories, don't necessarily need to give him more hay. He's stuck out there in the heat all the time. Let's put his hay in a slow feeder so it takes him longer to consume, keeps his tummy happy, and add the calories by using um, some oil in his diet. Absolutely. And they'll keep the temperature down. Yep. Especially for those horses that uh, suffer from non-sweating or anhydrosis. So if we move along a little bit more on that fat train, did you know that wheat bran... On the fat train? Yeah, the fat train. Toot, toot. Most people need to get off it, or most horses. But wheat bran is not very high in fat. So a lot of people will add wheat bran to their horse's diet, thinking it's going to help them gain weight. But contrary to public perception, wheat bran is not great. It's not a great weight-gaining feed. It contains, on average, about 5% fat, while oil is 99% fat. Uh, it also has a bit of an inverted calcium-phosphorus ratio and a lot of non-digestible fiber. So you have to really be careful about that, especially people that if they're adding wheat bran every day and they're not counteracting that by adding alfalfa for some more calcium, you can really get some increases, some excessive phosphorus, which is going to decrease bone density and, and do some other damage there. If people are just adding a wheat bran mash once a week, um, I know a lot of people that will just add it on a Friday or a Saturday. Other horses like to have a, a bit of a bran mash and cut up some apples and carrots and put in there. Really what you're doing there, if you're only adding it once a week, is you're making a, a, a drastic feed change once a week. Sure, you're doing it every week and you think it's consistent, but unless you're doing it every single day with the horse, it's just like making a feed change too quickly. So some people feed wheat bran thinking it's going to clean out the horse's digestive system and stop them getting colic. But the reason why they're having more manure is because there's a lot of non-digestible fiber and it could be that we've given the horse a little bit of a tummy upset because we changed his feed too quickly. Interesting. He goes through there and the appropriate... Um the appropriate bugs are not there to digest it, so it just goes absolutely into the other. Interesting. Yeah, the result takes was about thirty days. Not the reason. Yeah, yeah, it takes about thirty days for the bacterial population in the hindgut to adjust fully to new feed changes. Um, after about ten to fourteen days, they've adjusted enough to be safe, but to fully change to the new type of feed all the bacterial population because you ought to think the bacteria that break down fiber are different to the bacteria that break down the starches, that break down other ingredients. So we really have to uh, slowly adjust them to anything new that you put in the horse's diet. And some horses are more susceptible than others. Some horses you change the person you bought your hay from and it affects them yeah. so oh, i use the red scoop instead of the blue scoop look he's got an upset tummy yeah exactly exactly <laughs> now, so that's all i have on did you know so i'm sure we'll come up with more in the future absolutely. and i've got it you, you you brought up a little question for me on this um 
So feeding a bran mash once a week, probably not the good idea that our grandparents thought it was. Um, no. We, we thought that they had looser poop for a good reason, when in fact they probably had looser poop for a bad reason. Yes. Um, most hard feeds that we feed our horses will absorb a certain amount of water if you add it to the grain. You put two scoops of any given grain in a little pail and you add a quart of water, that feed will, to some degree or another, absorb the water. Yes. So if you like that giving your horse soup thing, because it makes us feel good, and our horses kind of mm-hmm. like to slop it around, would it be, could you say that it's a better option rather than giving them a bran mash to just take a appropriate amount of warm water, add it to their grain, let it soak for a few minutes, and give them that? Is that a safe better than a bran mash? It's a great idea to add water to increase the hydration of the gut, especially in the wintertime where they're eating dry forage, there's no grass to get moisture from, and they've probably decreased their water intake. But I'm more of a proponent of adding a little beet pulp to the diet and wetting that. That's going to have that same water absorptive capacity, but instead of adding a unbalanced calcium phosphorus ingredient, we're now adding a super fiber, which is just going to boost the quality of fiber in the diet. It's going to be highly digestible and they're going to get a lot more out of it. So I'm more of a proponent. If you like to do, you know, a lot of people will do a mash once a day. If you're doing it once a day, try doing it with beet pulp instead of wheat bran. Well, thanks very much, Dr. Cubitt, once again, for informing and enlightening us. And for people who have more questions than they know what to do with, where can they find you? You can reach us at performancehorsenutrition.com. Our phone number and email address are listed, and we would love to take any of your calls. Well, there you have it. You can find links to today's guests as well as a whole bunch more tips at horsetipdaily.com. This podcast was made possible through the generous support of Dr. Roses and listeners like you. Find out how you can help support Horse Radio Network programming by going to horsetipdaily.com and clicking on the Become an Auditor banner in the center of the page. This is Coach Jen, and I'll be back again soon with another tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.